pick is finally in. With the first pick of the 2014 NFL Draft. With the first selection of the 2018 MLB Draft. With the first pick in the 2003 NBA Draft. Now for the reason we're all here. We have some business to do. The first selection of the 2000. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first pick podcast. No Vinny Goombots today. We're doing a little something different. Both of us are working like dogs. I would have had to go over there. He'd come over here, and he's not too big into the UFC. And we're doing something a little special today for you guys. But. I'll do my spiel anyway at BiggestBoss76 on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Apple iTunes, and Google Music. Please rate, review, and share. Five stars only. We appreciate you. But without further ado, UFC, Brandon Nye, here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the First Pick Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We've been focusing on the NFL, we've done some NBA, MLB, but today we're doing the UFC. we got a big fight coming up tomorrow, Saturday night, 10 p.m., Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz for the baddest mf on the planet. We don't curse on here, so i got, I got to keep it back. And we have a nice guest for you guys today, Brandon Nye. I've been friends with him since college. Um, he's big, big into the UFC. I'm just a Fairweather fan, but this is one of those where I know the two guys, and I'm spending my money to watch this fight. So I look forward to watching this. He also bets, so he's into this. He uh, He's up a, a, a few grand over the last three months on this one, and he thinks that uh, it's a very good sport to bet on. There's a lot, of, Especially if you know your stuff, you can lean a lot of different ways and feel pretty comfortable about your picks in this sport. So without further ado... What's up, Brandon? How you doing? How's it going, man? Good, Kev. I um, it's a big card coming up, and I just want to say thanks for having me. I've listened to your podcast for a while, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. So let's just start off with the basics here. Let's give a let's give a few of the records. Let's give uh, let's give the the side on here. What what the uh, plus or minus is on both of these guys? Who's the favorite? Who's the underdog? What do you got? All right. Well, this Saturday. 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. is the main card, and uh, we'll start off with the the very main fight that everyone wants to hear about. That's George Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Now, uh, George Masvidal is coming in at minus 160, so he is the favorite. He has 17 fights in the UFC, and he's 11 and 6 in the UFC, and he's 34 and 13 overall. Then you got Nate Diaz. He's the underdog, surprisingly, plus 150. He has 24 fights in the UFC, and he's 15 and nine in the UFC, and he's 20 and 11 overall. So, uh, do you feel that? Because you know, there's only what 10, 10 more dollars in juice for for Jorge Masvidal in this fight. So, do you think it's he should be the favorite in this fight going into it, given you watching? So, after watching a couple of his fights now, so he's been around for a while, and I'm a big fan of him. Um, I do think there's some recency bias in his fights. He is. Two and two in his last four fights, and he does have two knockouts. Now, the one with Darren Till, um, you have to mind you, he was losing that entire fight. He got dropped twice, and then he caught Darren Till with a good shot and knocked him out. And then his second fight was Ben Askren, and I think everyone in the world knows how that ended. (laughs) Uh, Flying knee in five seconds, and that ended, which is great for Masvidal, but it 
as a batter, it doesn't give you too much information. Right, because he wasn't pushed to his how limits. how he is on the ground or where he really stands. Right. So I, I have a question with that. And uh, then you got Nate Diaz, who I think everyone knows Nate Diaz. You, you know what he brings to the table every time. With Anthony Pettis, he was coming off a three-year layoff. So he started off slow, but he still outworked Pettis uh, with his superior cardio, ground game, uh, boxing, and he secured a dominant victory. So that's where we're at right now with the main card. All right. And then before that Anthony Pettis fight, he had taken on Conor McGregor twice, uh, uh, both both wins for Nate Diaz. But I just thought he was so big. Did you find it ridiculous? I knew that it was more of a, like a money grab, but I just thought Nate Diaz was too big for him at the end of the day. Don't Do you agree? Uh, I totally agree. I mean, Conor McGregor has no business fighting at 170. And to be honest, uh, Nate going into that fight, Weighed over 190 pounds. Wow! So he was <laughs> he was about 20 to 25 pounds bigger than Connor um, during that fight, and that's a testament for how good Connor is. Right. And to stand in there and go one and one, you know, with a guy that's way bigger than him, and he had no business being in that weight class. First of all. And then another thing, I just thought this was interesting. And I thought anybody who who know is into fighting, even if you're not into fighting, Kimbo Slice and Jorge Masvidal have a long history together. R.I.P. to Kimbo Slice, who is now who has now passed away. But back into those old YouTube fighting videos where you saw Kimbo Slice also fighting on some of those cards on those street fights in Miami was Jorge Masvidal. Have you seen any of those online? Oh, my gosh, who hasn't seen those? Right. So it's kind of funny how it started. Um, George said he was sitting at home playing video games, and Kimbo Slice actually called him and said, hey, do you want to fight pretty much under my undercard, you know, in this, in this background fight in Florida? And he said, sure, why not? So he, he went, yeah, and he actually fought the guy whose name was Ray Ray. And if you remember, he, he had a good showing and he won the fight. And it was funny. No one knew it was Jorge Masvidal. Well, I didn't find out, I didn't find out until about two years ago that it was actually him in that undercard fight. And that's when I knew that I, I definitely loved this guy. Right. And then from there, he took, he took that, that fame that he on the coattails of Kimbo Slice there. And then he put it to hard work. Cause, you know, everything I've heard from other people, I've been just been listening to other podcasts about this fight coming up. And he's a guy who's respected. And I, I want to get into a little bit of that storyline too. Both guys, one from the East Coast, one from the West Coast, both have wonderful reputations. Um, and they're fighting for the belt for the bad. That is mf on the planet. So, and everybody's into this. And by the way, for those of you listeners who don't know, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be handing out the belt to whoever wins this fight at the end of the fight, which I thought was hilarious. And I think it's a good grab for people to watch. What do you think of that, Bran? Oh, man, it's a great marketing tool. I mean, I think that what the DMF belt represents is two guys that have been in the game for a while and, and to get all the respect they can get. Nate has a huge following. And now George, even having a small following, all the fans that haven't been following the UFC for that long are now become gravitating towards him because he's good on the mic, he's a good-looking dude, and I'll tell you what, the last two fights have been something special. So it's been pretty impressive. So I, I like to see that they're both doing well, and I feel like they're both deserving of being uh, – the baddest mother you can watch in the game. I agree. I agree. I, I I hope it goes long. I hope it's like tough. You know what I'm saying? I hope it's not one of those where one of them goes down pretty fast. Uh, they don't see. I don't think it's gonna go that way. Do you think they're gonna stand up? How do you think the fight goes between them? Do you think they don't make it to the ground at all in this fight? Well, 
So thinking about this, I, I feel like the persona of the BMF belt is going to it's going to have them stand more than I think Nate Diaz was probably willing to do. But I think I think a BMF people think of stand up striking knockouts. So I, I have a premonition that it's going to be standing for a good portion of the fight. And how I see it playing out, I see George coming out. I think I think George wins the first round or two. I think George comes out swinging. I think he's more of a crisp boxer. I think Nate takes him a little little time to get his timing right. And I think George wins the first round, maybe two rounds of the fight. Okay. Now, I think I think the most important round is the third round. I really do. The third round's going to pretty much describe how the rest of the fight's going to go because Nate can go on autopilot and probably fight 10 rounds. Right, and I and that's what you've been saying, though. So he has, like, supreme, supreme cardio, and that's how he wins most of his fights. Exactly. I mean, his, he's a technician with a great cardio. I mean, he is durable, as tough as nails as anyone in the UFC. So those that combination alone makes him a deadly fighter. All right, all right. I like that. I like that. So, I, and I hope, because if it does go to the ground, I it seems that Nate is superior in that area, no? Well... So when you say superior, submissions, yes. Wrestling, no. I mean, Nate's been taken down an average of like six times in each one of his fights. So, I mean, he, he can get taken down fairly easy. It's just he is good off his back, and I think George knows that. And with the BMF title looming, I think he's going to keep this standing. All right, then. So is there anything else you want to add to this fight that you don't think we've covered so far that people will want to hear about? No, I mean, I can give you my, my final prediction here. Of course, of course, and then we'll move on to whatever else you like after that, and we can dig in from there. So who do you like in this fight, and who wins the BMF belt? Who's given out by Dwayne Rock Johnson tomorrow night? Gotcha. Oh, yeah, of course. So I think if anyone has says they have a great read on this fight, it's lying to you. Okay. I think there is multiple scenarios how this plays out, and to be honest, I follow the number. I think this could be a true 50-50 fight. So having Nate Diaz at plus 150, I'll take that all day. Okay. So I got Nate Diaz, one unit, uh, plus 150. And, yeah, I think there's no value in Georgia at minus 160. I think I think there could be a slight lean towards him, but not at minus 160. So if you're betting him outright, put your money on Nate at plus 150. And then just letting you guys know, uh, Brandon, in the last six months, he's I think he's up, he said, 4,000 on this fight, especially when it comes to the UFC. This is what he does. He's into it. He obviously listening to him. You guys can tell that he's into this and knows the details. So if I was you, I would listen. So what's up next, Brandon? Who do you want to talk about next? All right, well, let's hop right back into the co-main event. We have Kelvin Gastelum. Um, right now he is 15-4 and four overall. And he's 2-2 two and two in his last four fights. And he's coming off a fight of the year candidate with Izzy, my boy, Adesanya. And right now he stands at minus 240, so he's a pretty heavy favorite. And then you got Darren Till, who is 0-2 in his last two fights. Um, but he's fought at 170 his whole career. This is his first move up from 170 to 185 because he's a big boy, and that was a hard cut for him. Okay. So now he's at... He's at um, the 185 weight class, and he's a plus 220, so he's a pretty sizable underdog. 
And uh, the one thing that bothers me about just fighting, period, why make the cuts? Why not add more weight classes so guys can fight naturally so they don't have to go through that? I feel like sometimes we get robbed with some guys because they have to go down or they have to go up and and the amount of work that it, 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 it takes a lot of energy to cut weight. It sucks. What are your thoughts on that? I I completely agree. I don't know if it's a, a money issue, if it's too much a hassle for Dana White and that whole brand, but... I mean, from 170 to 185, and 185 to 205. I mean, we're talking 15 pound, 20 pound jumps. And this is on people uh, that are, are maximum shape. You know what I'm saying? So to lose 15 pounds for a guy who's already a natural fighter and already in wonderful shape is hard as hell. <laughs> it, it is, and they and they wonder why people cut down so bad, and the weight cuts are hard, and people are getting knocked out quicker. It's because there's 20 pound, you know, weight gaps, and you know, like he. He would probably fight, like Darren Till said on record, he would best fight a 175 to the 180, you know, but he has to he has to gain that 10 extra pounds because there's no weight class. Understood, understood. So they always say that style makes fight. So what, what are the styles here? And then you can give us who, who you like after that. What are the styles? Is it going to be on the ground? Are they standing up? What, what do you think? What's your prediction on how this one will go? All right. So I think, so I think it's going to be, at, in the beginning, it's going to be a stand-up fight. I mean, Kelvin Gastelum has... Very, very technical boxing. He's a, one of the hardest punchers in the division for being one of the smaller guys, if you can believe that. Okay. And you got Darren Till, who's a long, a long rangy striker, but he's quick. He's quick and he's, he has good in and out movement. So, I mean, he is, he is a force to be reckoned with. All right. All right. And, um, so, and who, who do you have in this fight? So, this is clearly sometimes I look at styles of fighters, sometimes I chase the number. This one, I'm chasing the number. I mean, I'll give you a trivia question, Kev. Okay. So right now, after after a title fight or a interim title fight, after if the fighter loses, what is the percentage of them winning their next fight? I'm gonna go with fifty nine percent. The answer is thirty percent. Oh boy, I'm waiting way over. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so they have a thirty percent chance of winning on average their next fight. So Kelvin Gaston lost pretty much for the interim belt to for the next champion up. So he he lost that. And he lost a five round war with Adesanya, and people looked at it as a positive. I think the amount of damage he took, along with only taking a few months off and losing, being at the top and losing, I think that's hurting him. I really think that's going to come into play. And then you got Darren Till, who is also lost lost to Tyron Woodley, who is the the uh, belt holder at that time lost to him, understandably and respectably. And then his next fight, he was beating George Masvidal pretty good, and then George caught him with a punch and knocked him out. Right now, so he already went through the the losing the next fight after the, you know, after losing the championship fight. So he already went through that. He went up to 185, and the guy looks like a tank. <laughs> I mean, he, he looks motivated. He looks. He looks like he's ready to go, and I think everyone's counting Darren Till out, and I'll tell you what, plus 220, give me that all day. I'll put one unit on that because there, there's, there's no way the line should be much closer than what it is. So I'll take Darren Till plus 220. I got one unit on him as well. I love it. All right, so uh, before before we get into this little side piece here, Tyrone Woodley, I have not seen him dominated in a fight. He was tired. He was up against, I forget who the guy, you probably know who his last Martin fight. Lutzman. Yes, come on, yes. And this man, I uh, Tyrone Woodley is one of the best, uh, Tyrone Woodley is one of the best 
fighters ever in the UFC, and he was just made to look awful. What what was about? What was with that? Uh, see, when you say the best ever, I no? don't know if I totally agree with that. Okay, I think I think he has the tools. I think he's a freak athlete. I think his mentality is all over the place. To be honest, I uh, okay. Every time he does something wrong, it's because he didn't show up that night, or he never looks to improve on anything. You hear his interviews before and after, and I think he just got overconfident, and I think Kamar Usman is also a freak athlete with better wrestling than what Tyrone Woodley thought. I think he just overlooked him, and that's a result of a five-round whooping. Right, because I know him and um, him and Ben Askren came up together in college, winning championships and all that other stuff, so it's hard to believe somebody's a better wrestler, but there's always somebody out there better than you are, but I won't get hung up on that. So what? what's your next fight? What do you like? Who is it? What are the styles? And what are the numbers? Well, I'll tell you what. If we're going to talk about wrestling, let's get into this next fight right here. We got Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie. Okay. So right now, Kevin Lee is a plus 145. He's 1-3 in his last uh, four fights, and he's 17-5 and five overall. Then you got Gregor Gillespie, who's 13-0. and 0. He's undefeated, and he's 6-0 and 0 in his UFC career, and he's minus 155. Oh wow! Okay, so uh, does does the guy who is undefeated? Why is he not the favorite in this fight? Is it because maybe because he's still a young buck? He doesn't have the experience yet. Where where's that coming from? So he is the favorite. He's minus one fifty five. Oh, I thought you said plus one fifty five. My bad. My bad. I I was not so, listening well. Go ahead. Yeah. So he so he's minus one fifty five, and for a good reason. I mean he he's coming he's coming out of the gates in the UFC very strong. He's six and zero. I think he he's finished every every fight to date, so not one is one to decision, and he is just a relentless offensive wrestler. He is a chain wrestler, and if he doesn't get the takedown on the first try, he will try, 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 and try again. Okay. He will he will go for fifty takedown attempts until he gets out one attempt. He is his gas tank's relentless, and you'll like this. He is a four time All American wrestler national champion in his senior year at Edinburgh. Oh, wow. In the PSAC in Pennsylvania? You better believe it. Yeah, so, and you know how reputable that school is for wrestling. So to win a national championship in that school, man, that, that says a lot. And then for, for all those of you that don't know, me and Brandon went to Bloomsburg University together. It's a small state school in Pennsylvania. But Pennsylvania is one of the best wrestling, if not the best. I know you have a few Wisconsin, Michigan. There's some other states that are great for wrestling. But in the Lehigh Valley area, Eastern schools, these high schools are the best wrestling high schools in the country. And kids that, kids that go to wrestle in the PSAC in our area, they are the top of the top along with some of the bigger schools across the country just so if you guys don't know but go ahead brandon yeah they gillespie's in fighting are wrestling at the age of three wow. so in the pennsylvania <laughs> area if you don't go to penn state edinburgh i mean those, those are top notch um schools for wrestling so he went to edinburgh i mean he's been born bred to wrestle and i, I really really like what i see out of him and then you got kevin lee who is 17-5 overall He's been in the UFC for a while, and his experience is way better. I'll say he's fought the way harder competition, and he, he's done more than Gregor Gillespie throughout his UFC career. Now, he fell on some hard times, and he's 1-3 in, in his last four fights. And he, um, he made the move up to 170, lost a um, hard-fought battle to Rafael Dos Anjos, and now he's moved back down 
to 155, his natural home, to fight Gregor Gillespie. And with that, too, he also moved from Las Vegas to um, Canada at the TriStar Gym to train solely with George St. Pierre. Oh, okay. So so it looks like he's putting all he has into this fight coming into it, not trying to make sure he gets another loss at, in his last four like he has. Okay. Yep, so, so that that's his mindset. The only thing is, I'm picking Gregor Gillespie to win. Huh. Now, now the reasoning behind it is Kevin Lee, like I said before, he is a mental case. He He has all the tools to succeed. He just mentally can't piece it in his gas tank is definitely not where it should be. And with him, if you look at every one of his fights, he is great at being the hammer. He is absolutely horrible at being the nail. When he is faces controversy or something he doesn't like, he folds. And it's it's proven his whole UFC career, and I don't think it's going to change now. He thinks he's a superior wrestler. He's not. Once he finds that out from Greg Gillespie, I think he's not going to know what to do. And... I think it's going to be a tough battle. Don't get me wrong. This Kevin Lee is no joke, but I do think Gregor um, inches it out with a 29-28 unanimous decision. All right, so he's going to get him down and basically can control him. Once he gets him there, he's probably going to have a hard time getting back up, I assume. So I, I do like that breakdown. So, all right, let's move on. What's next? All right, well, now we got the, the, people's, the people's co-main event, we'll say. We got Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson. Now, Corey Anderson is plus 140. Um, he's actually won his last three fights. And against pretty good competition. Uh, uh, Latifi, Lover Teixeira, and Pat Cummins. Okay. And then you got Johnny Walker, who's a minus 150, who is 3-0. and um, Won all three of his fights in the UFC. And all by just devastating KOs. I mean, he's knocked everyone out, I think, in under in a minute, 30 seconds. And he has looked phenomenal. All right, all right. So, and and what are what are the styles here? So you said the other guy was knockout. So he sounds like a stand-up guy. Who? What? Wh- what are we talking about here? What are the two styles, and how do you feel they'll work out in this fight? Yep. So this is the quintessential striker versus grappler. Hmm. You have Johnny Walker who wants to to basically take your head off and taking that to the fifth row, and you got Corey Anderson who literally wants to grind you out uh, with offensive wrestling and hold you down and beat you up for three rounds. Okay, so he's a ground-to-pound guy versus a striker. So uh, anything else you want to add to build these guys up, or any, or you're good? Well, I'll tell you right now, I, can, I don't know who in the right mind can bet against Johnny Walker at this point, but I am not one of them. Okay. What I've seen from him, I think he has potential, literally has potential to, to be the next one to beat John Jones. I really feel that way. I think this guy's yeah, so he's 6'6", six slick striker. And then you got Corey Anderson, who is a grinder. He has improved a lot over the course, I would say, four flights. But he got viciously knocked out back two years ago or back a year and a half ago twice. And I think his chin's never been the same because it's never been tested. So we don't really know if this guy can take a punch. And I'll tell you what, Johnny Walker's going to throw everything he has at him. And I think he's going to knock him out in the first round. Ooh, so a first round, you have me very excited because I'm, I'm buying this card tomorrow. And you, like, you're getting me hyped up to watch this, so I'm looking forward to this now to see. I'm going to listen back to this pod and make sure that I, I, I have all to see what Brandon Nye had to say and see how it comes out. <laughs> it's very exciting. All right, so who do you got? You said you knock him out in the first round. Do you have any more fights? I, I think we did four, no? 
Yeah, we have uh, two more. I'll run them real quick. Uh, the next one is Edmund Shabazian versus Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is very experienced in the UFC. He has 17 fights in the UFC. He's 4-2 and two in his last six. He's, he's coming off a five-round beating of Israel Adesanya. No harm in that. Israel is the champ for a reason. And uh, he's also coming off a long layoff of over a year, and he just had, I believe, shoulder surgery. So he's been on the sidelines for quite some time. And then you got the uh, Edmund Shabazian, who's the favorite, minus 140. He is 3-0 and in the UFC. He's looked really good. And long story short, I'm taking a young, hungry line here at Edmund Shabazian. I love what I see out of him. I think this is kind of a passing of the torch situation. I think Brad Tavares is on his way out. I know he's only 31 years old, but he has 17 fights in the UFC. So if you're talking about fighter life, and he's literally like 55 years old. He's fought a lot, and I think it's going to show in this fight. And I think Edmund Shabazian, will it be a hard fight? I do think he wins a clear-cut decision, or again, I think he gets a knockout in the first two minutes. And now, are these guys fighting under the main card? Are they in the preliminaries? Like, wh- which which area of the fight will they be in uh, for the UFC tomorrow? Yeah, so, well, the Johnny Walker fight and Corey Anderson, that's at the top of the prelims. So that'll be on Nash national tv so you'll get to see that and edmund shabazian versus brad tavares that again will be on the prelims so you'll be able to see that free uh live on espn awesome i will be watching i look forward to that so what's up what's your next one all right well last fight that i got money on is chance when counter versus lyman good uh lyman good is 20 and 5 overall he's 2 and 2 in the ufc and um chance when counter is 2 and 1 um in the ufc and he is 14-3 and three overall. Lyman Good is a small favorite, minus 115, against Chance Rencounter, who is plus 105. Okay. And what are the styles here, and what do you see the outcome in this fight? Again, styles make fights. Lyman Good has been taken down several times in his career. He just got submitted by Damian Maya in a minute in his last fight. He's shown a severe weakness in his ground game. And Chance Rencounter, that's his bread and butter. He's a wrestler at heart. He said he's going to use his wrestling to take him down, and he's a really smart guy, and I like what I see out of him. He lost his UFC debut against a really hard guy in uh, Bilal Muhammad, which is no shame in that. And then after that, he lost, or he won two consecutive fights. And his last fight, he was a huge underdog and came through and blew by the guy in Ishmael Nardiev. So he looks extremely good there, and I'm going to ride this wave. I got him at plus 105. Okay. That sounds good to me. And one more time, who was the guy that you said would beat? What's his name again? Who he thought could come up and beat John Jones in the future? Johnny Walker. And why? what about, because I've watched a lot of John Jones fight, and on top of John Jones being super long, being super skilled, he is a really intelligent fighter. Even though in the last fight, I have no clue why he thought it would be a good idea to continue to stand up and not take the Muay Thai champion down to the ground and continue to take those kicks in the leg where they both had to leave the arena in, in wheelchairs. I, that's the one part I didn't understand about John Jones with how smart he was. Why not take him? He's a great wrestler. Take him down and beat him down on the ground. What's your thought there? And what about Johnny Walker makes you think he can outsmart? He probably You probably think he has the physical side to do it, obviously, given that you said his size and, and how slick he is. But uh, give a little more into why you think he could do that in the future. I mean, that was perfect analysis. Uh, the last two fights of John Jones have been pretty alarming. One, about how slow he is. He's definitely about one or two steps back than what he was. 
and his IQ. I mean, he was known for his fight IQ. The dude was a great striker. He took him down. The dude was a great grappler. He stood up in a striking battle with him. I will say it's pretty alarming. I'll go, I've gone, and I've said this numerous times, John Jones will lose one of his next three fights. He hmm. is, I feel like he is, he's gone past his prime. I don't know if he wants it anymore, to be honest. And from what I've seen, I, I'm not impressed. I, I feel like we, we lost the, the John Jones of old, and I think he will be dethroned. And I think that a hungry lion, Johnny Walker, I think he has all the tools. He's a flashy striker. He's very precise. Uh, we haven't seen him on the ground yet, so I mean that is that is a big factor. But from what I've seen, I think Johnny Walker is hungry. He wants it. He's six foot six. Um, he's going to be the same size. He might be a little bit bigger than John Jones in there, which okay. is something that John has not had to face in his career, really. Minus uh, Gustafson, right? So I, I think I think we're going to see a passing of the torch, and I think John Jones will lose one of his next three fights. And I agree. It's, it's hard for me not to agree with you after I watched his last fight because I would I was expecting the whole time. It's like, bro, take him down, take him down. You're great in that area. He is not. He is great at what you're trying to do with him, and maybe he just thought he was better than a Muay Thai champion. But I'm like, I don't know about that, John. Just get him down and beat the guy down on the ground, which you know is, is your thing. So I, I'm with you on that. He's going to try that with the wrong guy, and he almost got taken advantage of there, honestly, because he was getting those legs were getting chopped up, and those kicks. I, I can only imagine how they feel. Obviously, both of them leaving in a wheelchair in the fight, they hurt. And then this is my last question for you: Every time you give a record, right? It's always the 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 overall record and then the UFC record is kind of like you know when you're dating your girlfriend and then oh well we've been married for six years but but dating for 15 like the other like the other 12 years didn't freaking matter but is the UFC the best talent does Bellator do any of these other areas or any of these other fight companies have the same talent uh, to match the UFC are they I mean to be sure they're, they're truly the king I mean I mentioned that because there's a lot of padded records out there there's a lot of can crushers, we call it, and that's when you go to a regional scene that's not notorious for having good fighters, and you're 10-0 you're in that regional scene, and then you come to the UFC, and you look horrendous. You look like you don't even belong in the octagon or you never fought before. So, I mean, for me, a good example of that, Ben Askren. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's starting prime, to show prime that. Prime example, he was, he was, just to say, he was a, a Baker Mayfield in college, won the Heisman, and then he went to the pros, which is UFC, which... Don't get me wrong, he, he was out of his element, he's 35, he wasn't in his prime, and he's going to get the hardest competition he's ever faced. That's a recipe for disaster. But that goes to show you that just because you're a champ at Bellator or, or Risen or the one championship in Singapore does not always correlate to the UFC. These guys are the best in the world. Okay. Well, So that's, that's why I say it, because a lot of these guys you know, have 20 and 2 records, but they're getting beat up by 15... 15 and 10 guys because of just the competition level is it is leaps and bounds so it's kind of like going from like playing football in in canada in the canadian league and coming into the nfl at the end of the day and a lot of the times like if you're talking about bellator is like the xfl but if you're talking about let's say like lfa which is a big regional scene or this and that i mean you're talking college to the pros okay like it's it's that's that big of a, a big of a gap Especially if you go to the top 20 in each division. I mean, there's like, don't get me wrong, there's a handful of guys in each division that have no business being there. So you'll face them. But if you want to get to the top, you know, top 10 or top 20 in each division, I mean, 
you're, you're talking to the most elite guys, elite fighters in the world. And you're going to have to earn it. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing this from Brandon Nye. You can tell he knows his stuff. He's into this. The money tells you. His knowledge tells you. Brandon, this was awesome. I truly appreciate you coming out. The next big fight. I don't know. Are you into boxing at all? Because I know that uh, Tyson Fury, not Tyson Fury, uh, Wilder has a fight coming up on the 23rd this month. I don't know if you're as into boxing as you are UFC. But maybe uh, you come back for another fight, a fight podcast with us here at the First Pick Podcast. You into boxing? I am. I will say I... I'm a little, I'm a little confused with the boxing world at this time. I feel like the corruption and and everything and how the scoring is and I, I boxing is the most purest form of fighting, you know, leading up to leading up to MMA. So I, I don't know. I haven't been following it for that reason, but yes, I mean, I I'll do. I follow boxing. I follow Vasily Lomachenko, and you know, I think he's one of the best fighters, the stand-up fighters in the world we have today. So. Yeah, I'll do one with you. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon and I will be back. Bro, I appreciate you. And until next time on the First Pick Podcast, bro. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me for the best podcast around.